Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, President of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.scbts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. God be praised. Seth, thank you. It's a real privilege for me to uh, be able to share with new students. And I want to thank you and commend your staff for the great work you all do in serving all the students so well, especially uh, the new ones. And uh, thank you, Wes, for leading us in some worship. It is a gigantic privilege for me to serve here on uh, the faculty, uh, which is my part-time job and my full-time job is something that I uh, consider an even greater privilege to serve as a pastor in a local church. So uh, it's just a real honor to share tonight and you know, just looking at you all brings back uh, a lot of memories for me. I have to go all the way back to 1990 where my new student orientation took place at seminary. And I, I, I clearly, you know, remember the excitement of, of that time. Now, this was before image magnification and before PowerPoint. And it was even before Drama Team, which I was kind of glad about. And now I'm kind of glad that it's going away. No, 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 no offense if you like Drama Team. But, but I, way back then... I remember sitting in one of my first classes, church history, Dr. Frank Deemer. And Dr. Deemer was a, an older, uh, tenured missionary, now prof. And, uh, and, and I was just so excited because I felt God had called me and I was getting ready to be equipped and then go conquer the world for Jesus, you know. And so I'm, I'm all pins and needles and, and here's Dr. Deemer and he's getting ready, you know, and writing on the chalkboard and... He's, he's adjusting, you know, his overhead projector. If you don't know what that is, ask your parents later. And, uh, and we're all sitting there, and, and, and he kind of sets himself up, and, and, and he looks at us, and he says, Gentlemen, you need to know something. There will be seminarians in classrooms when Jesus returns. And then he paused and said, So if you think that God is waiting on you to finish this degree before he culminates his kingdom, you are deadly wrong, you know. And we were all just kind of like, ouch. You know? <laughs> but, but here is the wisdom of what my old professor was trying to do. He was, he was trying to help us think rightly about why we were in seminary. So, let me ask the question, why are you here? And for some of you, maybe you, you are here because you, you want to, you know, get bona fide with a degree in order to, you know, confirm your calling to the ministry. And so you're here to, to just to, to get that degree so that you can go out and, and say, look, I have a, a degree and a, a master's or whatever I'm going to get. So now here I am. I'm approved. Let me at it. And, and if, if that's why you're here, just to get bona fide, I think that you might have made a mistake in coming. Maybe you're here to get some sort of affirmation. 
that, that you know, uh, I, I want to, to be affirmed, to, to be declared, to be a, a pastor or, or a preacher or, or a missionary or, or a counselor, and, and that's why I'm here, to gain approval. And, and let me say this, if, if you're here just to gain approval by getting a degree from a well-known, prestigious, uh, you know, seminary, then, to be quite honest, again, I think you might have made a mistake in coming. So, let me ask you now again, why are you here? Or let me ask the question this way, why should you be here? Now, because I'm one of many professors and, and pastors that you'll have the opportunity to engage with here at Southeastern and, in, and, and the local churches that God's blessed us with in the area, <clears throat> let me just say that I have been sitting where you are sitting and I want to do my best to serve you a little bit tonight and share with you some reasons as to why I think you should be here. And I'm going to share a little bit from Paul's letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to suggest this. You should be here at Southeastern in order to be equipped to take faithful ownership of the gospel. That's why you're here. You're here to be equipped to take faithful ownership of the gospel. That's, that's so much more than just getting a degree or getting bona fide or gaining approval. You're here to figure out what the fullness of the gospel of Jesus is, and then to, 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 to learn what it means to be faithful with that gospel. 2 Timothy 2 is where Paul is mentoring and discipling and in training a young pastor named Timothy, who he considers his, his son in the faith. And and Paul, in, in this passage, these first seven verses, is going to give three imperatives to Timothy, three commands, if you would, and, and then he's going to follow that with three illustrations, three metaphors about what it means to take faithful ownership of the gospel. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, Paul says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. As his mentor, Paul had, had tried to pour his life into to Timothy and, and, and knowing that Timothy struggled a little bit with timidity, his first command is to be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That, that statement the grace that is in Christ Jesus re reminds us of the gospel. And it's a good word for us because you're going to need to be strong here at Southeastern in the college. You're going to need to be strong in the seminary. You're, you're going to need to be strong if, if you're a spouse of a student. You're going to need to be strong. You're going to need to be strong in order to, to, to be able to, to study 
and, and to show yourself that you can become an approved workman that is not ashamed. That, that you're going to learn how to rightly divide God's word of truth. And you're going to need to be strong enough to, to, to face some of the spiritual battles that will come your way because for some of you, you haven't quite yet faced some of the spiritual battles that you're about to. You're going to need to be strong. And you're going to be strong in order to, to battle against some, some new thoughts and, and maybe some new ways of thinking and some challenges that, that, that you might have and, and, and even some doubts that you might have, some discouragement that may come along the way. The strength that you need, of course, is provided for us freely through God's Holy Spirit. And so the command... It's followed by the gift. Be strong and rely on God for that strength. Be strong, he says, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, verse 2. These things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There are actually four generations of faithful followers in this verse. There is the Apostle Paul who is entrusting this gospel to Timothy. Then there is young Pastor Timothy who is entrusting this gospel to faithful individuals, men and and, and I'll say women as well uh, for those who, who are female students here. These faithful individuals are now uh, to, to be able to equip and, and, and to then entrust this gospel to others. And, and I see sort of you in this verse as, as the faithful ones. You, you've made it here. You, you've figured out how to get here. Some of you have sacrificed a lot to be here. You're the faithful ones, and now for you, your opportunity is to allow the Timothys and to allow the Pauls to pour themselves into you. And that by the time you're done here, and it's time for God to send you wherever you're to be sent, we will have the confidence that you have faithfully taken ownership of this gospel so that you can go and repeat what you have learned and what you've experienced to others. Sort of like passing the baton. I love watching sports and I love track and field, especially the relay races. And that's an exciting event and probably the most exciting part of the relay race is when the baton's being passed because that's when you go, is it going to happen? Is is the baton going to be passed rightly? Are they going to drop the baton? Because if you drop the baton, the whole team is disqualified and and it's sort of at that moment where everything hangs in the balance. And and honestly, this is what I feel like as a a professor and as a a pastor who who mentors future pastors. I, I feel like I have this baton and this baton is a treasure. There, there isn't anything else like it. it. It is the infallible and inerrant word of God that, 
that contains this gospel, the only thing that can transform lives and the only thing that's going to be able to, to defeat Satan. And, 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 and this, baton, this baton has got to be passed on to, to another generation and then, and then another generation. And, and this baton can't be dropped. And, and the person that I pass it to cannot be disqualified. And, and, and if I spend my lifetime trying to prepare people so that I can hand off this baton to, I, I, I hope that that person realizes the treasure that they're receiving. And not just taking the baton, but, but taking it from the hand of someone who's poured their life into preparing you to receive it and run with it. You're not just here to get bona fide. You're here to allow us to pour our lives into you so that hopefully we will say, here, here's the baton. Now take it and run with it. You've got to be strong in the grace that is in Christ and, and take the things that you have heard in the presence of witnesses and, and, and become entrusted with this gospel so that you can then entrust others with it as well. The other imperative command is to suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I want you to enjoy this experience. I really do. There is a tremendous opportunity for you to take joy here at Southeastern. Joy in the classroom. Joy in fellowship. This is a fun campus. It's the, it's the fun, funnest and funniest of all seminaries. It really is. And, and you, you, you have a lot of opportunities just to enjoy your life in Christ. But, but there's also going to be some hard things. There there may be, you know, just a, a, a bit of suffering that takes place. And, and, and if that's the case, okay, so be it. Let it come. For some of you, it, it may come as a, as a bit of suffering in reference to what you believe. Let me take you back to 1990 again. One of my professors who became a, a mentor to me, we were sitting in Greek 1, and um, he said, okay, here's the deal. The class was packed and overflowing. And he said, now here's the deal. If you don't allow me to destroy the weak theological foundation and the weak biblical foundation that you brought into my classroom and blow out the earth beneath that and begin, just begin to form a strong foundation. I do not want you in this class. Go find another professor. And about 30% of the class never came back. I was dumb enough to come back. And what I learned was that I actually had come to seminary 
with a pretty weak foundation. Raised in church. And to be honest, I struggled. I struggled thinking deeply in ways I had never thought before, asking questions that I had never asked before, and, and entrusting myself to men that, that I, I, just, I had to just say, okay, I'm allowing you to blow out this weak structure and, and help me to, to undergird for the rest of my life and my ministry something that is strong and, and something that is stable. But, but there was some suffering there. And not all of you are going to do that. Some of you are here because you already feel like you are solidly theologically grounded. You're just looking to add. Some of you may be willing to say, take the dynamite to what I thought I knew and help me build something stronger that will last forever. Now, that would be my advice. That's not easy. Some of you have, have left good jobs. Some of you have, uh, have, have left family. Uh, some of you are going to face some struggling and, and, and a bit of suffering. And just know that some more than others, but all that is God's will for you. Just take it. Receive it. And, and suffer hardship as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Some of you are going to get your eyes um, opened to a bigger world. And, and even though your grandmother so desperately wants you to come back and be the preacher of her church, you're going to say to your family, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. I'm going to a hard place where there may be some suffering, but I gotta go. Because you want to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. And then Granny can hate us <laughs> for encouraging you to go. And we'll take that. Because if it's one thing you're gonna hear at Southeastern, it's go, go, go. 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 Go and be a good soldier. So, be strong, be entrusted with the gospel, be willing to suffer. Here's the three illustrations. The first one is in verse 4. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Very practical advice. What does it mean to take ownership of the gospel? Well, you've got to think of it sort of like a soldier. Now, a soldier has to have a single-minded devotion to the task at hand. If he gets distracted, he and others may be in trouble. And as Paul writes this to Timothy, he's, he's sort of relaying that thought, Timothy, I need for you to have this single-minded devotion the task I've enlisted you Christ has enlisted you maintain that single mindedness don't get distracted and, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of distractions alright 
For some of you, you know, you're going to fall into the ultimate college seminary distraction of secondary and tertiary theological matters. And it'll consume you for a while and then you'll recover and you'll repent and we'll, be all, we'll all be glad. So you can focus on the main thing, right? Now, it's okay to go through that. I went through it. I think everybody goes through it to an extent, suffer through it. But look, don't let it distract you. Don't let your opinions distract you. Don't let your arrogance distract you. Don't become hypercritical of others because you've learned so much and you're actually reading books now. Don't let that distract you. Single-minded devotion to Christ and the advance of His kingdom. Keep that at the forefront. Second, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. A good athlete undergoes vigorous training. You are here to undergo vigorous training. And, and a good athlete is self-disciplined. You are here to, to undergo uh, an, an activity of discipline. It takes discipline to accomplish your degree. A good athlete learns how to play by the rules. Now, as a pastor, it's frustrating to see so many other pastors or, or shepherds not playing by the rules. And it is to the, to the um, demise of, of churches and it is to the hindrance of the gospel and the kingdom that they don't do this. And Paul, he understood this, right? Because there were some, some you know, leaders, some teachers who were infiltrating the church who weren't playing by the rules. They were, they were there just to make a name for themselves. They were there on sort of a get-rich-quick scheme. They were, they were there. And they're here. And they don't play by the rules. Learn to play by the rules of this book and the theology that it contains, how to know it, interpret it, proclaim it, and live by it. There are guidelines that we must play by. And there's a great opportunity for you to, to know this and to, and to learn this. So, so be a good soldier and, and compete as, as a good athlete. This is the only way that, that you're going to be able to take that baton and to continue to advance and build, by God's grace, his, his kingdom. The third illustration is that of a farmer. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops because the, the farmer is willing to work hard. He, he, he spends his, his life laboring for that, that, that moment of harvest to which he then can feed his family and, and provide and share that with others. There, there's this solid work ethic. There's this desire to see the fruit from your labor. And that's a good desire. And, and in essence, this is what your professors are here for. We're, we're hardworking farmers and we're hoping that you become our fruit. As a pastor, I'm a hardworking farmer and I so desperately desire to see within my congregation fruit. The fruit of, of, of my labor, and that's a, a good desire. 
And this is what we want you to become and, and this is what we want you to then go and, and continue to produce. To be strong, to be entrusted, to be willing to suffer, to, to become that, that enlisted soldier, that athlete who plays by the rules, that, that hardworking farmer. That's why you should be here. Now, I'm going to take my professor hat off. I'm going to put my pastor hat on. uh, I want to just speak as a representative of just a a, a lot of amazing local churches that we're blessed to have in this area. And there are many, by God's grace. There, There weren't many when I came here in 1999, but there are many now. And if I could just speak on behalf of, of the other pastors in the area, I want to I give you some advice, and, uh, and then we'll be done tonight. First, as pastors, we need for you to be faithful and fight against the, the spiritual drought as you fight for your satisfaction in Christ. Now, again... I think Southeastern is a great place, but inevitably there's going to be at least a period of spiritual dryness. And, and sometimes it comes when you just get so engulfed in, in the academics, and, and that's just part of it. It's an important part of it, but it, it can lead to some, some actual spiritual dryness or, or maybe whatever else you're struggling with. And at times... There are students who, who will say to us they've never experienced this type of spiritual dryness in their entire life until they actually came to college or seminary, Bible college or seminary. All right, so be it. If it happens, fight the good fight and, and, and fight against this, this spiritual dryness as you fight for your satisfaction in Christ because maybe what God is doing is He's trying to get you to get to the point where... It, only you and Christ matters. And if you find yourself fully satisfied in Christ, and that's kind of where you're going to begin now to build and, 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 to, and, and to engage in, in your spiritual formation for the rest of your life. Building on that firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Alright, so that's my first advice. Fight for your complete satisfaction in Christ. Here's, here's my second piece of advice. And I'm speaking to the men, specifically to husbands and dads. Husbands, remain the head of your home and the spiritual leader of your family. It is easy to neglect your family as you pursue your theological education. And it's easy for you to begin to leave your family behind. And you cannot do this. If you're a husband, if you're a dad, you must maintain your relationship and your role both to your wife and to your kids. And you need to lead them and guide them and instruct them. It is such an unfortunate thing that when we see families come here and eventually a spouse, a wife, will say, I'm done. 
I'm done. Because in essence, their husband has neglected them. And what their husband is thinking, what I'm doing, I'm doing because God's called me. In essence, he's neglected his role at home. And he disqualifies himself before he even leaves. Don't let that happen to you. What you're learning and the joy and the fellowship, bring it to your home, engage your wife and, and, and make sure that, that your family is, is, is dedicated and involved in a local church so everybody is growing and everybody is worshiping and everybody's learning, all right? Second piece of advice, remain the heads of your homes. If you're a single man, then your task is to find a wife this week <laughs> and get going on building a family. If you need some help with that, we are here to serve you. You think I'm playing. I'm not. (laughs) Find that wife and get going. That would be our desire for you. If, If you can learn how to establish a loving environment centered around Christ now, it will benefit you for the rest of your ministry. Third piece of advice. Remember, contentment in ministry trumps achievement in ministry. Contentment in ministry trumps achievement in ministry. Now, here's one of the dangerous things that's going to take place. There's going to be a parade of successful preachers, pastors, missionaries and authors that are going to, you know, come before you. It's going to happen week after week after week. This, this parade of, of these successful and godly men are going to tempt you. And, and the temptation is going to be, I must be like them. I must achieve the same level of success that they have achieved. That is a most dangerous temptation. Please, receive what these men, who by God's grace have been effective in ministry, receive what they are here to offer you, but do not be tempted to become... uh, um, in, in, in any way discontent until you sort of arrive at whatever position they've arrived at. And if you want, just have a conversation with any of these men and they'll just tell you, hey, we're, you know, they are still uh, struggling and feel like there's such a, a long, long way to go. And, 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 and see in their humility that they're striving for contentment as much today as they ever have been. If you can learn how to be content here and now as a lowly student, as a Starbucks barista, if, if you're privileged to have that great of a job, <laughs> if you learn how to be content while in Bible college or seminary, it will help you for the rest of your ministry. It really will. If, you're, if you are not content here, you, you will struggle no matter where God sends you. Learn to be faithful. That's what God wants. Not to be successful. We leave that to Him. Just to be faithful. Let God determine how successful you will be. All right? Remember, contentment in ministry trumps achievement 
in ministry. Here's the fourth piece of advice. While you're here, preserve the priority of the local church. Now, within a few weeks, all of you should have joined a local church. Don't wait. It's amazing to me how at times a student will wait a year or longer before they join a local church. And you can't let that happen. There are, again, a number of excellent local churches that, that need you to join and get involved. Find it. Join it. Don't do a beauty pageant thing. Pray. Find that church. Commit yourself to it. And, and be an effective member there. And do it as soon as possible. And, and, and when you find that church... And, and you decide to, to join that church, I, I want you to join with this commitment that you are going to be the best church member that the pastors of that church has. You're going to be the best, not, not the worst. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Having been a pastor here for 15 years, my best and my worst church members were students at Southeastern Seminary. My best ones and my worst ones. Please, wherever you join, be the best. Be the best. And, and, and how can you do that? Well, you can do that by coming with a desire just to serve. You, you're not, this, is, this is not the time for you to lead a church. If you're, if you're already in leadership in a church and you're kind of doing this by vocationally or whatnot, okay, stay keep serving well. But for those of you who don't have any church affiliation right now, I want to suggest that this is not the time for you to lead in anything. This is the time for you to learn in everything. Find a church that that is such a healthy model of what a local church should be that that, that for whatever time God has for you to be at that church, you're just going to absorb and learn and get involved so that by the time you leave, you will say, I know what the local church should be like. And I'm ready to go and duplicate this. Go to learn. Go to serve. And, and don't come to any church with expectations. I, I don't, if whatever role you had in the past, you were youth pastor, you were assistant pastor, you were lead pastor, you were deacon, take all of that and put it in a box and open up the box and look at it if you want to, but just leave it there. And you come and join a church and say, I'm nobody but I'd love to be a part of this church and I'd love to serve. Where can I, where can I get started? And, and if you, you will do that, you will become an asset and a benefit to that church. And then that church, in seeing you as a willing servant, may then say, hey, you know what? How would you like to get a little bit more involved? Right? But let, let the church make that decision. Let the pastors make that decision. And, and, and please be careful that, that in your arrogance you end up revealing your ignorance. I mean, having been where you're at, let me just say, because of the mistakes that I made, 
Don't, don't come to church assuming that you are now God's gift to knowledge of Bible theology and everything else related to Christianity. Because inevitably, in your arrogance, you're going to reveal your ignorance. As a matter of fact, every time you step into a class, I, I, I would just come in assuming, I don't know squat, but I'm here to learn. And then you will benefit greatly if you have that mentality. Here's, here's my prayer. And, I, and I, I, I hope this is a prophetic prayer. So this prayer is either going to be a blessing or a curse, all right, in some day. But here's my prayer. My prayer is that in the future, God will give you, as you are a leader, missionary, teacher, pastor, God will give you the type of people that you were as a member while in seminary. That's my prayer. Now, for some of you, that'll be a blessing. <laughs> for some of you, that might be a curse. So be a blessing and then receive a blessing in the future. In, in all of this, I'm just saying, be humble. I mean, if there's one thing I, I love and I, I learn, every time I step on foot in this campus, my president, my provost, my vice presidents, my dean, they're humble men. I look to them and, and I say, how can I be humble like you? And, and, and if you will come to school, to your studies, to, to your church life, to everything, if you'll come humble like Christ, you're going to be all right. You really are going to have an amazing experience here. Humility is the key character quality that maintains unity in the church. And, and, and so join, serve as a humble a member and, and make sure you preserve the priority of the local church. Now, I'm going to say something that our president would agree with. The local church is more important than Southeastern Seminary. The local church is more important than any other institution, agency, or ministry. The advance of the local church all over the world is God's only plan. So you make sure you preserve the priority of that. Amen? In all of this, you have the opportunity to take ownership of the gospel. I hope you will. And I hope you enjoy your time here at Southeastern. Let me pray for you. Father, you are faithful. Your gospel is faithful. Your son is faithful. And we have the opportunity to be faithful here. I pray you'd bless these students. I'm so grateful for just so many. Wow, what a great influx of new students here uh, during winter term. I pray that their equipping would be just wonderful, that they would just grow in their excitement about learning and, 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 and beginning to see your will and your vision for their future. I pray that they would just become a tremendous asset to the local churches in this area and then to the advancement of, of your kingdom uh, someday soon. And, and, and Father, just let us end just with a song of, of thankfulness for all that you've done and for all that Jesus is. And then we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We cover your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.